Welcome to Small Business Celebration. We're continuing our series on small business owners who are getting the move on. And our guest this week, well, he and his brother are the freshest of Mexican girls. This is Small Business Celebration. Welcome, where we chat with real business owners who have real success and learn from them about what works, what doesn't, and who want you to know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel and it's not a train. Join us where you can learn something that you can use today to grow a strong and profitable business. Welcome to Small Business Celebration, and our guest this week is Sergio Aguilar, one of the partners of Fresco Mexican Grill. Welcome to Small Business Celebration. Thank you for having me here. <laughs> and for visitors who don't know who you are, who are you and what is it that you do? My name is Sergio Aguilar, and I am a co-founder, partner of uh, Fresco Mexican Grill, and Fresco Me Market, and Fresco Catering. And, and, and. And we'll continue to add to the brand. <laughs> and we, well, first of all, we are in one of your new stores because you have how many locations for the Mexican Grill? Well, for Fresco Mexican Grill, we have three locations now. Right. And uh, this is actually the newest and right. latest location, latest addition. And uh, this is uh, on Niles. Okay. And Sterling in the east side. And on the east side. It's yeah. about time you made it over to our because you started in Arvin. Well, that's a long time ago. Um, uh, La Mexicana Bakery in Arvin, a long time ago, and uh, we had La Mexicana right. restaurant. And um, uh, but then from there we came to Bakersfield, and uh, you know it's been a long, long road. And uh, your partners with your brother? Yeah, my brother Pedro. Yeah, we started um, Fresco Mexican Grill. Originally, it was called El Taco Fresco. El Taco Fresco. Yes, but before that, we actually opened. It's a little story behind this. Okay. Thing. So my brother and I were Cuban. We were born okay. and raised in Cuba. Right. And um, we started Cuban flavor in the corner of Chester in California. And we thought Bakersfield was ready for Cuban food, Portos, <laughs> uh, Versailles in Los Angeles. And uh, lo and behold, uh, then the 2008, 2009 right. crash came and just right. uh, wiped us out. But we did not give up. We, we didn't close the doors like most people would do. Right. We revamped. And okay. we, we turned it into Mexican food. And it's been successful. And if you're listening to this program on our podcast, you're going to hear, just like you just probably heard a minute ago, somebody getting ice for their drink. You're going to have people talking in the background. You're going to hear people taking their orders. Because this business is open and very, very open. So yes. this is great stuff. It's actually the customers looking over here from the other side. <laughs> what is going on with these people? They're kind of, what are these guys, nuts? <laughs> so anyway. It's a show. <laughs> you and your brother started this, you said 2008. Well, we actually got the building in 2007. Uh, okay. November 2007, we worked on it for a couple months. We opened the doors um, January 2008. Right. As Cuban flavor, Sabor Cubano in right. Bakersfield. First authentic Cuban restaurant owned by Cubans and food cooked by Cubans right. in Bakersfield. But you also had a meat market, though, did you not before that? Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we had a meat market in Arvin. We, had a, okay. we actually had a meat market in Arvin and two in Lamont. Okay. And uh, very successful, doing well, you know, and uh, we got out of that venture and uh, we went into the restaurant business. I don't know why we did that. <laughs> I don't know why we did that, but we did it. <laughs> Somebody may say you and your brother have a screw loose if you're if you're wanting. I say a few screws loose. <laughs> <laughs> because they're, 
to be a restaurateur, you, you have to be really hands-on. You, you have to, and now you've, you start with one, and then you added a second one, and then this location used to be a Japanese fast food restaurant. Yeah, Yoshinoya. Right. Yes. And, and why did you choose to take an existing building, an existing footprint that somebody else had designed, and insert your business into that? Well, we believe that uh, Yoshinoya didn't do well in this corner because um, it's just not the, the, the food for this neighborhood. Oh, right. Uh, uh, we thought, or uh, we believe, we still believe that uh, it's a more predominant Mexican right. neighborhood. Sure. A lot of Hispanics around here. Right. And uh, it's a great corner. Um, we really decided on this building. It's a beautiful building, as you can tell. Right. Uh, it was only open for like nine months. So it was built for them and by that company. So the infrastructure was here. The biggest investment was here already. So we just had to turn it into our style, into right. Mexican style. And uh, uh, we still had to spend a lot of money, but uh, um, it was just a good, good move to come right. over here to a brand new building and a beautiful corner. And the big thing is, is you understand the area and the market to which you serve. Exactly, and we not only do we understand the business, we understand the market, we understand our customers, what they want, but it makes sense to come into a new building. The other buildings that we have are older buildings. We always have to be doing repairs. Right. Air conditioners are older. So the rent here, the lease is high, but you save money on PG&E. Right. You save money on, on uh, all these other expenditures that we have to do at the other locations. So right. that was our take on it. it. It has not done as well as we hope for or we wanted to but it's doing well right you're not closing the doors anytime soon. <clears throat> no 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 we don't give up easily right uh, when we opened up um keeping flavor in 2008 we thought it was going to be an instant success and it was for a few months right but uh bakersfield uh, was not ready for cuban food bakersfield um uh, it's, it's a particular kind of town <laughs> and uh and uh we 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 had a good run there for three or four months, and then after that, we we kept hearing people come in and and, and, and ask, "Do you have tacos? Do you have burritos? Do you have enchiladas?" And yeah, they say, "We have tamales. Food. Oh, we have Cuban tamales. I've never seen those tamales in my life." And uh, people said, "Cuban food is really, really hot." And, no, Cuban food is is a lot of spices and flavor, right. but it's not spicy hot. Right. So it was um, it was a hard hard thing to cook from you know from the heart with love right our food originally what you know we came from and um, and that people just didn't know what it was earlier today before this conversation be bold be bold Mark Unger before our conversation today I was talking with a with a visioneer fan of the show and he was really excited to find out that you were gonna be on and we we're gonna be talking about you know your you and your brother's growth and and the business and one of the things that he, he noted is that a lot of restaurants use their catering business as the advertisement for the restaurant. Is that the case for you guys, or is it the other way around? Is, is your catering business, does it move forward because of people know the restaurants? or? You know what? That's a very specific and intricate question. <laughs> but, uh, well, good thing I we always say, ask all the easy ones, I right? Would say, I would say that um, for us, right. the restaurant drives the catering uh, business okay. because uh, we didn't start, a lot of people start as a catering company right, and they start right. doing food from home or they start doing food for parties and right, stuff right, like right. that and they get to be known that way. Right. So, but um, when we first started, Cuban Flavor 
went out of business and we did something that it's unheard of. We um, we closed the doors up on Friday at 2 p.m. Right. Uh, an article came out on Bakersfield, California, saying that we were going to close and reopen. <laughs> and we reopened. So on a Friday afternoon at 2 p.m., we did away with all the Cuban decorations, you know, everything that was given. We did away with the menu. We swapped everything around. We worked almost 48 hours straight. Right. And uh, on Monday morning at 6 a.m., we opened up as El Taco Fresco. That's the, that's the original. That's the original name. El Taco Fresco. A lot of people say that only a crazy person like me can do that. Right. Especially being broke, I had right. no money. Sure, sure, I had to sure. beg, scratch, and, uh, and, and and you know, borrow to be able to make that switch. Right. I had somebody on the pole change the, the banners, the signs. I had um, a Tulio from. Um, Concept of Ink doing our menu. I mean, it was crazy. <laughs> People were cooking in the kitchen. Totally different uh, uh, spices and herbs and, and totally different cooks and everything. So we did that change right. in from Friday 2 o'clock to Monday 6 a.m. And we opened up the doors. Wow. And um, uh, our family, our, our extended family, my brother is married to the oldest daughter of uh, the founder of La Mina right. Cantina. And, okay. Uh, so they came in to help us, and uh, my brother and I were like, you know, just kicking back and <laughs> let them do the move for us, right? Because we were like burnt out, right. you know, and um, right. they helped us out a lot. So um, that move was one of the greatest moves we've ever done, right? Thank God, because uh, uh, my brother said, you know what, I gotta thank my brother's a pastor, my brother Peter, okay, and uh, he. Uh, he always thanks God first, and right. then he thanks everybody else. <laughs> so <laughs> he says, you know what, I gotta thank God, my brother, for making you the way you are. Because I started saying, listen, man, people are coming in asking for tacos, enchiladas. You give them Cuban food, they're like, what is this? They're not used to it. It's not, just, yeah, you know, can, can you add chili to it? And uh, there's a lot of jokes about me wanting to make 100% Cuban food, and I don't want to mix the flavors, and they're always joking about that. So once once the mixing restaurant started coming on and, and doing well, right. he actually said to me, you know, I got to thank God, and thank God for making you the way you are, that you're very persistent. I actually said, listen, I'm going to throw in the towel. If you guys don't switch to Mexican food, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm not. I'll give you all my job. Because it wasn't working. And, right. You know, people, you have Cuban food here, and they're asking for Mexican food 24-7. The customer is telling you what they want. Right. You got to listen to the customer. Right. If you don't listen to the customer, you, you're not a businessman. If visioneers want to get in touch with you for the, the, the Fresco Mexican Grill, the meat market, or the catering, how do they do that? Well, we have uh, websites. Okay. We have a website for the meat market, and we have a website for the Fresco Catering, and a website for Fresco Mexican Grill. And what are those websites? Uh, FrescoMexicanGrill.com and uh, FrescoMeatMarket.com and uh, FrescoCatering.com. Perfect. So, but also, they can call me, because I'm known in my family for answering the phone. Right now, I'm having a hard time. <laughs> I have the phone here, so I'm silent, people. But uh, I, answer the, my phone, I answer the phone on my, in my sleep. Sure. It's sure. a potential customer calling for 250 people wedding. So, sure, you know, right. it's, it's always, you got to answer. And what's your phone number? 661-348-8183. And uh, social media? I, uh, I only use the social media for the for the for the restaurants and, okay. uh, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. We, we're on Instagram, Facebook, everything. All that yeah. sort of good yeah. stuff. I don't have private or personal social media. We don't need it. Don't You're need always that. at the restaurant. It's, it's all over the place. <laughs> Very good. And if you enjoy a small business celebration, go ahead and like, subscribe, and notify. And when we come back, we are going to talk about one of the hardest things that a lot of business owners have to do. That Sergio and his brother had to overcome as Cuban immigrants to the United States. It's that thing called
credit. Oh, we come right back. All right. <laughs> I'm Dr. Hugh Beatty, the wellness doc, also known as TWD. If you find that you suffer with chronic joint problems in your shoulders, your hips, and your knees, and it's impacting your performance at your business, you need to come see me for a thorough evaluation. These joints, if they have degenerated and you want to avoid surgery, you should consider PRP stem cell. It's a regenerative process, so you can begin to perform once again at your peak performance. Please come see me, Dr. Hugh Beatty, The Wellness Doc. Reach out to Hugh Beatty, MD, The Wellness Doc at 661-395-0315. That's 661-395-0315. Or visit them online at hughbeattymd.com. That's H-U-G-H-B-E-A-T-T-Y-M-D.com. I'm here with Sergio Aguilar, one of the partners of Fresco Mexican Grill. And our vision or question comes from Carlos, who asks, I am immigrating to the United States. I know credit score is king. What did you do? Well, that is a very good question. And, and first of all, let's preface this. You immigrated from Cuba, so you came to the United States with zero credit. Well, we actually came to the United States with the clothes on our back. Right. And we came and did it. We, mm. we had a debt to pay people that have paid our visa and paid oh, our so sure. we came and did it and um so it's even worse than zero credit worse than zero credit <laughs> right <clears throat> yes so um my it's not easy to build credit mm -hmm. but if you're diligent it becomes easier by the month um when you come to this country especially if you come legally you can obtain a credit card if you're going to yeah. open up a bank account Obtain a credit card by the bank. You can right. start with uh, a prepaid credit card, $500. Uh, one of the best credit cards that you can use to start up credit is um, Capital One. Right. Capital One extends credit for like $350 or $500 to almost anyone. Right. And they have a good credit card system uh, or plan for people that have no credit. You get that credit card and you pay it off every month. Right. Credit doesn't mean that you can go spend the money and not pay it. Credit means you, you use that credit card to build your credit. Right. Six months later, you can get another credit card. Uh, banks help. Right. Um, keeping FICO scored clear and clean is the most important thing that you can do. Right. So um, you pay your bills, in a couple of years you have really good credit. Now, you and your brother had the Cuban restaurant, and it, like you had mentioned before, it did well for a few months, and then it didn't do so well for, and that can be a major hit on credit. And, and how did you rebuild that with the new restaurant and, and be able to get your credit back? Because I'm, I'm guessing it took quite a hit when the first restaurant didn't do well. Well, first of all, there's a big difference between corporate credit right. and personal credit. So when somebody applies for personal credit at the beginning, when you open up a business, right. your credit backs up your corporate credit. Right. As the company goes uh, into a better standing, you can uh, always work with uh, Don and Bradstreet and build that credit up a little better. And uh, later on, your company will have its own credit and you don't have to back it up personally anymore. Right. That is the case that we're in right now. Uh, right. We have corporate credit, we have uh, personal credit, and uh, we can either use either of them. So right. uh, it's a, we're in a good standing right now. But what happened at the time, um, you know, my brother and I always tell the story to people that um, we see other business owners that they pay their mortgage, they pay uh, their RV, they go on vacation, but they don't take care of business. Mm. To us, business comes first. Right. So we gave up 
vacations, we gave up uh, personal you know, dinners, we worked in our business and we didn't let our credit go down. Right. Back then, they were cutting people's credit. The, comp the banks did that automatically. Right. It was a 2008 crash, right. so um, the banks did that automatically, uh, but we paid our debts. And um, uh, it took time, it didn't happen overnight, but right. uh, it actually took us like three years to come from that slump. Really? We owed, yeah, we owed uh, our family money. We owed, uh, um, I owed, uh, personally, I owed uh, J&E, mm. uh, Restaurant Supply, right. like $18,000, who was gracious to take payments from me for three years. Wow. He's, a personal, he's a personal friend of ours, but uh, we paid him every penny. It right. took us three years to do it, but we, you know, we paid. And uh, so now I can walk into J&E and get something. He knows <laughs> I pay my bills, even if we're broke. So, yeah, he, he, he's extended credit to us quite a few times. Right. And now you've been able to have, because of the success of the business, because you've been able to invest in your business first, and then yourself later. Now you you're getting some new toys yourself. Oh yeah, you know, um, you you play hard when you work hard. Right. You can't just play. So you know, we've been working a lot of years. A lot of my employees have taken vacations. I haven't taken a vacation in five years. Uh, about uh, time. I've taken small vacations, like three days off. You right. know, go on the weekend, but uh, not taking off uh, on a vacation with my family. So, you know, the same way you work so hard, you can't just work, 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 and burn yourself out. Right. And have a heart attack. That right. happens to a lot of people. Right. I've heard so many stories, you know. Especially you work, restaurateurs. Yeah, restaurateurs. Uh, or people that are so busy, you just give into this lifestyle, which is business, 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 and right. uh, your brain, your, your system just shuts down. Right. So, you but now you're your, getting RVs, you take well, your yeah, family we, and your mom. and Yeah, we just bought it. Well, yeah, you put that out there, man. <laughs> so we just bought, we, I didn't know that was going to come out on the show. People, but, uh, he's, he's, uh, he, yeah, we just bought a motorhome and uh, we're taking a, a trip across the United States with the family. Right. Uh, to go visit family and friends right. across the country and, uh, and uh, just relax for a little bit. Right. You know, I, this, is my, this is what I'm going to tell my employees. This is my saying. If the business catches fire, don't call me. Call <laughs> is your family trip going back to Florida? Well, we're going to go back all the way to Florida. Yes, right, right. Because that's because when your family immigrated from Cuba, that's where you guys came in. Well, we, we came in through Key West. Okay. We came in the Maria Boat Lift in 1980. Oh, and okay. uh, we, we went to um, Key West, and then we went to, out of all places, we were in the Orange Bowl. Really? Yeah, we were there as, as refugees. Okay. And uh, we, from there we went to uh, 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 someone's house, and then a month later we landed in California. Tell us about your father, and tell us a little bit about your father in Castro's Cuba. Well, my father was um, a natural entrepreneur, but uh, you know he was a very young man. He was delivering uh, groceries to people's houses. Uh, my uncle owned the grocery store. He did the deliveries for him. I worked, um, went actually to like the plaza to buy all the food products uh, that they're going to sell in his grocery store. And uh, from a very young age, he had a churro cart and um, he made chicharrones. Uh, but he also studied. He studied uh, a lot. And um, so he was an accountant. Oh. He knew math really well. He, he had a skill. Yeah, he had a skill. And he, back then, you know, back in the. 50s, I guess, being a typist was also a great oh, skill. Yeah, so sure. he, he knew how to type and he taught us how to type from a very early age. And an old clunker that he had at sure. home. And we had to push really. I was so such a small kid, I couldn't even push <laughs> the fingers. Yeah, it wasn't an electronic typewriter. No, it was a manual was typer. A, yes. Yep. And um, he actually typed. He knew how to type, but he liked it like this. But he was really fast. <laughs> but um, my dad, um, in a very young age, uh, when Castro took over 
1959, he was very young, but he was already, you know, very wise. Right. He had read, and he knew that communism was bad. Right. And uh, they actually did like a census, and they went to all the locations where there was businesses or whatever. Uh, they started confiscating businesses right away. Right. Their major businesses were confiscated. They did it in different um, stages. They did first major businesses, um, then they did small, medium-sized business, and then they did even the churro carts. Back in 1968, they're all gone. Everything is gone. Wow. Even a shoe shine stand belonged to the government. Mm. And um, so when they went, I asked my father, um, you know, was he okay with the revolution? Did he like the revolution? He said, I'm neutral. And they said, no, neutral, you know, like, uh, he, they, they, he told me, he told my brother and me that uh, they said, oh, if you're not with the revolution, you are against the revolution. Right. So from that moment, he was marked as an anti-revolutionary. And um, um, he and other people, we married my mom when he was 19 years old. Um, they had kids, had my brother and me. And, um, but he always had his vision of leaving the island. He, he, he didn't want to stay in the island. Uh, and he tried to escape several times. And the last time he tried, he got caught and mm. was uh, sentenced to many years of incarceration. Um, in the sugar cane fields. He, well, if you're a political prisoner, they're not going to give you the best jobs. They, uh, they, they yeah. the, the major economy segment in Cuba was uh, sugar. Right. So they used the political prisoners to cut sugar cane. And that's hard, dangerous He sure work. is. Yes. Uh, and uh, so, you know, the story that I told you over the phone, and I, I actually told that story at my dad's uh, funeral. Mm. Uh, it's a very touching story because it, it, uh, it tells you when a man is made out of something, something yeah. strong in his values, that he would not compromise for anything, you know. Uh, um, so my dad was offered, um, like, um, parole. Mm -hmm. Let's say after a year of being incarcerated, they right. told him, listen, if you sign this letter, which states that you made a mistake, that the revolution is the best thing that happened for the Cuban people, you can go home and be on, on parole, you know, and uh, supervised release or something like that. Right. And uh, this is while being incarcerated. Right. And he said, you know what? I, I couldn't sell my, my integrity. I couldn't. That's a lie. I, can, I cannot say honestly that that's, that's what it is. So, right. you know, I, I can't sign that letter. And they said, well, you stay and, uh, you know, go back to Cali Sugarcane. And he said, okay, that's what I'll do. And he had to serve his entire sentence. The part of the story of the story is that uh, he was cutting sugarcane in, in, in the fields. And uh, this lieutenant drove up that knew that he had an education. He knew him from our city. And said, what is this guy doing out here cutting sugarcane? He said, well, he's a political prisoner. He can't have any other job. Right. He said, don't put him in the Jeep. And took him inside and gave him a job as an accountant and running the whole sugarcane uh, factory. Wow. And uh, Which is a lot better than being out in the field. Oh, yeah. He had, uh, I actually remember going visiting him at that location where he had, he lived like in an office. He, this is the, the main office of the sugarcane factory, right. and he had like a loft and a bed and everything. He lived there. Wow. And that, that's why he, he wasn't really incarcerated at that time. Right. And then somebody else that was like pro-government came by and saw him that he had the position and sent him back to the sugarcane fields oh. again. So it happened like three times when they finally just left him there. But he had to, uh, he had to um, suffer a lot. Right. And then when he got out of prison because his uh, files were marked CR, which means counter-revolutionary, mm. against the revolution, right. he couldn't get a job as an accountant. Right. Uh, he couldn't get a job in any office. This is what he liked to do, what he knew. So um, then somebody that was like um, a leader of the revolution, I also knew him from our city, 
I knew he had an education, and he could run a whole factory and whatever. Uh, told him, listen, we're going to play a game here. We're gonna, I'm going to take you to work with me. You're going to run the entire place. Uh, and uh, I'm going to put you in your paperwork like you're um, Estivador. Estivador is someone that lives... Uh, you're a day labor. Labor, but carries stuff on your back. Oh, okay. So that was the job that he was registered on, so right. he never lifted a suspicion. And uh, he worked there in the offices, running an entire, an entire uh, warehouse full of stuff uh, until we came from, from Cuba to here. The other part of this that's very important that I want Visionary Nation to understand is when your family went to Key West, what was the first business? Oh, that wow. your father did because because a lot of a lot of a lot of Cubans who came looked for a job. Yes, they looked for a job, but your father did not. Yeah, your father wanted to open a business. Yes, well, on the first day that we landed in this um, this family's house, they said we're going to go to work right. around five thirty in the afternoon, and my mom said hey, we just to, got here. We go to work on the same day, and. Um, they said, we're going to go to work. And my mom says, can we go help? I mean, what do you do? And right. they say, well, we're, we have a, a maintenance company. We, we clean buildings at night. We clean uh, gymnasiums. We clean um, 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 banks, right. offices, doctor's offices. And my mom said, can we go help? And she says, sure. So I was 13 years old. My brother was 16. They said, you two got to go too. Right. And my sister stayed at home with the, with the family's daughter. Right. They were about the same age. But um, my brother and I and my mother, and we, we went to work. Right. We actually went to work, and I first learned about a vacuum cleaner. I didn't know what it was. And, uh, um, <clears throat> so they gave, me, they gave my brother the job of vacuum cleaner. I was smaller, so they gave me the, the, the trash job. I right. was the trash picker-upper. Right, sure, sure. I, sure. I went to every office, and I picked up trash. I'd never seen trash liners in my life. Right. And um, I cleaned all the... And back then, they allowed uh, smoking in offices, right. and I've cleaned out a lot of a lot ashtrays, of ashtrays, man, right. a lot yeah. of ashtrays in my life. And um, so that was the first job we had, and uh, my father thought that was a great job. Right, sure. <laughs> we work at night. We work during the day somewhere else, and at night, we, we used to work uh, in gyms, and right. we used to work at uh, cleaning banks, uh, doctor's offices, name it, whatever. Did that lead to your, when you guys went to, move to... Los Angeles. Yeah, that, opening led, the that, 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 that opened up a, a cleaning business in Los Angeles. And right. we, we cleaned a lot of buildings, man. <laughs> I had a key ring this big, and we cleaned this one building in Thousand Oaks, California. Right. That was about a block long, two stories, and had offices on both sides, bottom and top. Right. And every office had a different key because they rented those offices out. Oh, right. And yeah. uh, so we did janitorial. The, the rental of the building came with the janitorial business. Right. So we did the foyer area. We did the outside. We did all the windows. And we did the cleaning every day. When I used to get off the freeway, I used to get a cold feeling in my stomach here. When I saw that building, it's like, whoa. <laughs> that was a scary building, man. Sure, sure. It, it took four hours to clean it. I mean, rushing, like running, running. took right. four hours to clean every office. Now, I have to ask. You, you, you and your brother were part of your parents' successful cleaning business in Los Angeles. What on earth possessed you to move to Kern County and start up a meat market business. Let me tell you, you know, uh, the, the world is very small. When we were in Cuba, we used to get a letter that smelled good, looked beautiful, these papers. We used to get letters from my, my, my father's first cousin, right. uh, Gladys Joy. Right. She's, she came to the United States, um, I think, 1960. Right. And I don't know how she landed in Bakersfield, but uh, 
she landed here. Right. And, uh, um, so when we came to Los Angeles, we actually came to North Hollywood. Right. Um, we came to visit Gladys here to Kern County. Right. And um, that's how we learned about Kern County. Oh, so we knew about okay. Tejon Street, Tejon Street right here, <laughs> down the street here. Right. Um, right behind um, Kermelica Center. Right, right. And um, we knew where she lived, and uh, we came to visit her. All because her letters smelled pretty. Well, we came to visit my, <laughs> we came to visit my father's um, cousin. Okay. But, but to be honest with you, the reason we moved to Kern County is because my father wanted to buy a house. Uh, and back in 1985, uh, like five years later after we came from Cuba, right. he was ready to buy a house. Right. Uh, he went house shopping with my mom in Los Angeles uh, almost like today. Right. They were untouchable. Right. right. So by visiting Gladys over here, they asked her one day, um, um, this guy's still in business today. They asked him about real estate and we came shopping. And they bought the first house, 908 Ferry Road, between Union Avenue and South Age. Oh, wow. Uh, I remember the address until today. Sure. Uh, they bought the house for $67,000. $5,000 down, and the payment was like $570 a month. You couldn't do that today. <coughs> Could not do that today. That, yeah, so that, they bought that like in 1986. One of the things I want to make sure we touch on is, and, and we, we talked a little bit about this in the break, is you, after your brother, you and your brother went ahead and had the meat packing business or the meat market and you closed that and you started the Cuban restaurant and you closed that and went into the, the Mexican restaurant. And I already know Eagle Eye and Eagle Ear Visioneers are going, wait a minute. They changed the name. <laughs> but, well, and, and for a lot of businesses, changing the name is a big deal because you can literally destroy a business by changing the name of it. Yes, we thought um, very hard right. before we made this move. But so when we went from Cuban flavor to El Taco Fresco, which is the original name of a Fresco Mexican Grill. Right. Um, we didn't think anything about the word taco fresco, right. but as years came came by, we heard it over and over again from the customer. Ah. Once again, you hear the customer, listen to your customers uh, because they have a lot to say. Right. Um, we heard from them, oh, you're more than just a taco place. You have ceviche, you have shrimp, you have fajitas. Oh, we thought you were just a taco place right. because outside says in big letters, taco fresco. fresco. So we went from tacos to fresco Mexican grill. We took the word taco away. Right. We did some research. We, right. did, uh, we did a lot of talking, a lot of thinking, because like you said, it's very delicate. Right. Until today, my mom still calls, calls it taco fresco. <laughs> Most of the family calls it taco fresco. Right. Mom. Because I tell a mom from fresco, oh, I tell people, I tell people, I'm from fresco Mexican grill, go, oh, taco fresco. <laughs> They don't, they're not even listening to me. So this, you're correct, is very hard to get rid of a name. It's very delicate. But we saw something that happened in the business. Back then, we used to sell 20, 25,000 tacos a week at the location number one, right. downtown Bakersfield, because we're telling people we're a taco place. Right. So when we switched from Taco Fresco to Fresco Mexican Grill, which intentionally we wanted to sell more fajitas, more $9 burritos, right. more shrimp ceviche than just tacos. Automatically, we went from 27,000 tacos a week 
to about eight to ten thousand tacos. Wow. So we don't mind selling tacos. No. We have good tacos, and it's, it's still a business. Right. But a taco today, back then, they were seventy nine ninety nine cents. Right. Today they're two something. Right. A taco. Right. But you got to do to sell ten dollars. You got to sell four tacos. Right. When you sell one burrito. Right. One time it's ten dollars. So you're talking about the yield between an item that you make. 50 60 cents between something you make three dollars of profit so and that's how i found that's first time was with a burrito yeah it was the first time i went to your restaurant so i have hook lying sinker right here yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's when i sell more burritos and tacos you're going to sell a shrimp cocktail for 12 dollars right. and sell five six tacos at a time when we come back we're going to be answering another visionary question that talks about the state of the expense of doing business in the United States. When we come, right back. <laughs> okay. The reason we're here talking with Sergio Aguilar, one of the founders of Fresco Mexican Grill, is because of a visioneer question that came from a visioneer just like you. It's the question of establishing credit, but more importantly, how do you reestablish credit when a business goes south? So if you've got a question, you've got a thought, something you'd like to learn about here on Small Business Celebration, let us know. Reach us to, on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, and let us know what you'd like to hear on Small Business Celebration. So reach out to us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram today. I'm here with Sergio Aguilar, one of the partners of Fresco Mexican Grill, and our visitor question comes from Catalan, who asks, we have been in the United States for five years now, and everything is so expensive compared to home. How do you work to make enough money to keep your business making money? Let me tell you, <laughs> that's a good question. Especially if you're in a restaurant, you have to work like an animal. Right. Let's say this better. An animal and a half. <laughs> okay. And yeah, it's a lot of work. A, a lot of sacrifice. But... Um, for our business, what we've done is uh, we've taken advantage of every avenue that we can profit from. Mm. So we were the very first restaurant featured with Uber Eats. Oh. A lot of people didn't want to sign up to, for Uber Eats because they see it in a different way. I see it differently. I see it that it's an added value oh, to my business. sure. Because my rent is still the same whether I have Uber Eats or not. Right. My bill for electricity is going to be the same. And like you can actually sell a thousand dollars more Uber Eats a day if you had to with the same employees. Right. So you're only using the cost of goods sold, right. your product, as an expense. Everything else is there already. Right. You're gonna have to pay insurance. All the set bills are the same. Right. So we were the feature restaurant. So we, when the pandemic hit, Uber Eats and uh, DoorDash and those things were like, oh man, we were already in line. We were. Sure. Right. A lot of Where did I sign up? A lot of people signed up at that moment. We right. were doing it for years. Oh, you were already Yeah, doing we it. were doing it. We were the very first restaurant featured in Bakersfield. Wow. Other restaurants turned it down. We right. took it. Right. Because we want to be at the forefront. We don't want to be at the uh, end. Right, so right. we were there already set up. When the pandemic hit, man, it just started. It went crazy. So actually, our sales went up. Didn't go down. Nice. So we're profiting from every avenue. Right. So have a Easy Catering, which is online. Oh. So we, we have a Chow Now. We have like six different avenues that we sell food through. Besides that, we expanded Fresco Catering. Okay. That's a lot of sacrifice, a lot of work. We do weddings. We do uh, quinceañeras, sweet 16s, corporate events. We've done corporate events uh, uh, even for Greenway Farms. Right. Up to 2,500 people. Wow. You know, just do your math. Right. 2,500 people, let's say $10 a plate. Right. That's $25,000. 
a lot of this comes from getting your business out there. It's getting your business known. How much of your overall budget in general goes to advertising and marketing and getting your name out? I believe right now we're about 4% of, okay. our, of our, our sales. We, we use it for advertising. Um, I got turned on to this phrase a long time ago. A man that stops advertising to save money is like a man that stops the clock to save time. Okay, say that again. A man that stops advertising to save money is like a man that stops the clock to save time. Uh, you can't stop time. You can't stop time. And you can't stop advertising. No. So we do all kinds of advertising. Whenever there's an opportunity right. to advertise, we're there. So we do radio campaigns. Right now we're on TV and the radio at the same time. Right. We are very active uh, uh, on social media. Right. We do giveaways. Right. We do um, things for the community. Right. We do projects for the community. Uh, we help people out. Right. Um, fundraisers. So we're always doing something. It's not just take, take, we gotta give back to the community as well. Family is very important. Yes. And how much time do you guys spend with your extended family? Because being in the restaurant, you, you almost live and breathe and eat. And I mean, your whole life is here. So you've gotta get away. Well, let me tell you, our family, our extended family, um, we are the family of Fresco Mexican Grill, Fresco right. Catering, Fresco Meat Market. But we also, our family owns, uh, Bootleggers, Toasted, Lamina, and wow. uh, so we Those have. Those are like, some pretty heavy hitters I, in I, town. I think we have like 12 <laughs> restaurants total, 12, 15 restaurants. Right, right. So there's always a party in our family. <laughs> so you ask me, what do we do for fun? We mainly spend time with the family. There's right. always a party. We're having a party for my daughter this weekend at uh, my brother Alex's ranch. Right. And uh, the family's invited. And, you know, it's uh, family and, and friends. And you're socially obligated to go because yeah. you chastise if you don't. Yeah, if we don't go, um, somebody's going to call, where are you at? <laughs> come in and come. You know, come on, man. You've got to spend time. And, right. you know, especially Alex. Uh, you know, he, he gets on people's necks and he calls people, <laughs> breathing down your neck, you know. And uh, so, you know, but they do it also. When you, when you call for a family member to come for a party, they show up. Right. And you have a, if you have an accident, the whole family goes to the hospital. I mean, uh, they invade right. the hospital. So sure. we're very, very uh, tight-knit family. Right. And uh, uh, we're privileged to have... Uh, at least one party a week, one social gathering, and uh, we meet at restaurant, our own restaurants. We sure. meet at each other's homes, right. you know. And uh, so mainly we spend a lot of quality time with the family. But uh, I encourage every entrepreneur that works as hard as we do to step back right. and uh, let the business run itself. You know, we've developed a system, my brother and I, and our family entirely. Uh, we we we've developed a system. We have a manager. Right. We have assistant managers, they run the show. We're there, we supervise, we go and we push issues, we, we create things, we come up with new, we're behind the scenes. Right. They're there, you know, we have a good team, thank yeah. God. We have a very good team. Uh, and um, we were talking earlier, uh, I don't know if this is a segment for it or not, but uh, right. the manager for this restaurant right, right now right. actually started uh, Fresco uh, five years, five and, and a half years ago. The first location, Fresco yeah, One. she started over there. Daniela, she's right here right now. But she's the manager here. She she runs this tight ship. You right. know, you gotta keep your employees, your payroll, your, your custom right. goods sold, and um, she grew from there to here. The number one business, uh, the number one restaurant uh, in California, Chester, has produced both managers, right. one for here and one for number two, and uh, they both grew up within the business. So. Uh, uh, 
they know how to run it. What is one piece of business advice that you have given over and over and over again that nobody listens to? Don't get into something that you don't know anything about. Uh, People just don't. They think that you're telling them that because you don't want them to compete. I actually believe in competition. I believe it's good. It makes me sharper. I'm an aggressive uh, entrepreneur. And, uh, you know, if a brother of mine or anybody wants to open up a business next door, that's okay because somebody else will open it. I, I don't right. have any issue with, um, you know, uh, with saying, oh, don't come near me. Th that right. doesn't really matter. We're going to compete, you know, with service, quality, you know, and prices. Right. And, uh, and specials. And let's see who has more energy. Let's see who can keep up with this thing. I can't keep up with yeah. you. <laughs> you know, uh, people just don't listen that this business is very complicated. People want food to be good. They want it like that. Right. And they want it inexpensive. Right. And uh, that's a formula that's very hard to produce. It is. It's very hard to produce. But, um, yeah, people don't listen to, to, don't get into something that you don't know anything about. I've had a... Uh, you can be a great cook, but you're not a great entrepreneur. Right. Uh, you can be the best cook. I actually know somebody, I'm not going to say the name, that worked for me for many years. Right. One of the best cooks I've ever seen in my life. He could cut uh, a 50-pound bag of onions in about 15 minutes without even looking at you. It looks and very nice and neat. looks like a machine cut it. Right. He can cut sliced tomatoes, like talking to you. Hey, oh, another one. <laughs> I mean, he's like a machine. Right. And uh, great recipes, has all kinds of experience has already tried to open up three times with him and his family. And I told him, listen, man, you are a great cook. You right. are not a business person. Right. You know, and uh, that's the difference. Um, the one book I would recommend right. to anybody that has really impacted my life mm -hmm. is a book called E-Myth. E-Myth, right. Okay. E-Myth. It stands for Entrepreneur Myth by Michael Gerber. I read that book five times in English and five times in Spanish. <laughs> so uh, the book sounds kind of boring at the beginning. Ah, sounds, but it's not. But really, once you get into the nitty-gritty of it, it's, it's an amazing book. And it's taught me uh, to, to make the, the business automatic. And it's taught me that I am an entrepreneur because right. I've done the research. Right. Uh, and I tell people, you have to dig in. You, know, you think that you have it, but if you're not an entrepreneur, if you don't know what it takes, don't get into it. What advice do you have for the business owners and their future? Well, in the present we're going, we're, it seems like the economy is not, um, not going to be piping hot. Right. It's not going to be a good economy for the next few years. What am I doing personally to prevent our business from going down? Right. I'm getting sharper. Telling my brother and telling my partners and people that work for us, we need to work harder. Right. We need to train the customers right. We need to have specials. So right now, with these things happening, we are going to add um, July first. We start adding birria oh. to and our three locations. Birria is uh, slow simmered beef oh. with this very rich and tasty uh, broth. Right. Uh, it's become like a trend in the past few years, right. and uh, uh, even El Pollo Loco has it. Uh, so if they have it, we have to have it. I, needless <laughs> to say, I've, I've been pushing for this with my partners. And right. that, you know, there's a lot of logistics behind it. It's a lot of implementation. Right. It doesn't happen overnight. You don't want to start something that is not going to be good right. or it's going to be a mess right. by serving it. It's going to clog up the kitchen. Right. So a lot of, lot of parts to it. Right. But we worked out all the parts and we're working on it. On July 1st, we start. So we're coming up with that. We're coming up with um, 
chorizo, because we have a meat market now, right. we're coming up with a, a chorizo as one of the meats. Uh, we haven't had that for years, and people ask for it. Right. So now you can have a, a chorizo taco, a torta, right. or a chorizo plate. Right. Uh, without having eggs, because it's just chorizo, but we have a nice beefy, chunky chorizo that we're right. making on the market that we were very proud of, so we're gonna promote that. So it's doing both. We're right. selling on the market, but we're also selling on the three locations. So we're thinking of things to do to better our place. And we are thinking of advertising, we're thinking of campaigns, and we're thinking of giving the customers value for their money. Ah. So we're gonna have, spe we already have Taco Tuesdays, right. which is an amazing uh, deal. Right. We have $5 Friday, which you get like a $10 burrito for $5 ah. on Fridays. Or, well, I know where I'm yeah, going Fridays. Or shrimp cocktails for $5, <laughs> right. a little smaller, but still a shrimp cocktail for $5. Right. So we have $5 Friday, so we're gonna maybe start uh, try to Thursdays. Oh. You know, we're gonna come up with ideas to increase our sales and not just say, oh, the economy is bad. You know, when, when things go bad, you gotta think of ways to to sell. Right. Things are fixed by selling. Right. If you just sit here and wait for the economy to get better, you're gonna have to close the doors. You have to think about strategies that attract customers and uh, keep your service and your quality top notch. I believe that um, if we did it in 2008, we switched from Cuban flavor to El Taco Fresco in 2008, and okay. we were successful. So that's my approach. If we did it then, we're gonna do it now, and we're getting ready for it. It's, we're not gonna sit until it hits us. Right. You gotta prepare. You gotta you gotta come up with ideas, campaigns, and implement them, and be successful with them. If visioners want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Well. Like I said, I answer the phone all the time. So they, <laughs> the phone they, numbers? they will hear. So you're speaking, how can I help you? That's me. 661-348-8183. Or my email is Sergio at frescomexicangrill.com. And uh, websites? Uh, we have uh, frescomexicangrill.com. We have uh, frescomeatmarket.com and frescocatering.com. Well, Sergio, this has been a real treat. This has been a blast. I really appreciate you joining us here on Small Business Celebration. Well, uh, I'm glad that uh, we were able to meet because we had to postpone it one time. And uh, I really love your questions and I love the, the program. I, I've, I've heard the other ones that are, that, that are there and uh, they're amazing. It's a, it's Thank a teaching. You. Thank if you. anybody that um, maybe I didn't answer the question correctly or uh, didn't go deep enough, they can give me a call and I'll answer them and I'll help out anybody I can. I, I love helping and I love... Uh, I love talking, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. And I'll be right back with my final thought. I'm Dr. Hugh Beatty, the wellness doc, also known as TWD. If you find that you suffer with chronic joint problems in your shoulders, your hips, and your knees, and it's impacting your performance at your business, you need to come see me for a thorough evaluation. These joints, if they have degenerated and you want to avoid surgery, you should consider PRP stem cell. It's a regenerative process, so you can begin to perform once again at your peak performance. Please come see me, Dr. Hugh Beatty, The Wellness Doc. Reach out to Hugh Beatty, MD, The Wellness Doc at 661-395-0315. That's 661-395-0315. Or visit him online at hughbeattymd.com. That's H-U-G-H-B-E-A-T-T-Y-M-D.com. The 55-Minute Problem.
This week's episode with Sergio Aguilar, one of the founders of Fresco Mexican Girl, was a lot of fun. We had a great time, and in fact, there's a lot that didn't appear in the episode that ended up on the cutting room floor. But one of the things about this particular episode is I got a lot of visioneers asking a lot of the same questions that I had Sergio answer, but it all came down to a very basic, simple question. How do I establish credit? And why are things so expensive in the United States? Now, I know these questions are very entry to business kinds of questions, but in reality, they lead to a much larger questions that many visioneers are asking. How did I get here? Sometimes we have to sit back and realize that in order to answer the bigger questions of how you got here, you have to go back and originally look at the original question of how you got started in the first place. If your business isn't doing well and it needs to refresh its credit, start over. Start acting like you're starting over. Imagining your business and thinking about what was the problem that got you here in the first place? After all, Albert Einstein once famously said, if I had an hour to solve a problem, I'd spend 55 minutes thinking about the problem and five minutes thinking about the solutions. So that got me to thinking, the problems that I've got going on with my business. How did I get here? And, I spend the next 55 minutes thinking about the problem of how I got here so that I can spend five minutes on the solutions. I hope you enjoyed our conversation this week with Sergio Aguilar, one of the founders of Fresco Mexican Grill, and I hope you learned something that you can use today to grow a strong and profitable business, and we'll see you here again next week. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Celebration Podcast. Some of today's music was brought to you by Ted Hammond, and you might find more of Ted's music at ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. That's ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. If you enjoyed this episode and gained some insight from it for your business, subscribe to the Small Business Celebration Podcast at iTunes.com forward slash Small Business Celebration and give us a five-star review. Also, if there's a business you'd like us to interview, reach out to us on LinkedIn and Facebook and let us know. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Roberts of the Small Business Celebration Podcast, and we wish you a strong and profitable business.